Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Destiny. How are you guys doing good? Oh, man. It is a good day. And like Destiny said, thank you guys so much for, for supporting us and coming behind us. It was an interesting week. I knew it was bad. When we were sitting in the living room, my wife looks by, she's like, looks halfway, like she's going to pass on. She goes, if I die, that's how she started. If I die, you got to wait at least a year before you remarry. And I'm like, well, that's, fair, that's fair, right? That's fair. But that's when I knew it got serious. Oh, man. So we started a series last week called Make Space, and we talked about being poor in spirit. How many of you remember that? Good, three of you, good. Should we recap? No, I'm kidding. We talked about being poor in spirit and about relying fully on God. And this has kind of been the thing that we're going to talk about every week. Say, when I make space, God invades that space. When I make space, God invades that space. And for us in this series, it's about us creating margin. It's not about us creating robots. How many of you know we don't want you to be the same as the person next to you? Like, we want you to have your unique expression for you to walk out your faith the way God wanted you because there's only one you. And here's the truth. We need you. Like, the world needs you. No matter how little you think of yourself and how, or how unqualified you think you are or all the limitations you put on yourself, God wants to use you. And the beginning and the entry point for that we talked about last week was you, you would stop becoming self-reliant and you would become reliant on him. Not just for certain areas of your life, but for all areas of your life. That you would lean on him and that you would allow him to become your source. Because here's what I know. God will allow you to be your own source. How many of you know that? Like the moment I come to the end of my finances, in my life, finances has been a huge thing for me. I talk about it a lot and it's not because I want to manipulate it. It's because God has used it to teach me. I grew up in a poor family. And so I realized when I hit a certain point in my life, particularly being a a husband and trying to provide, I could not be the source for my family. Like the moment I became the source for my family was the moment our resources ran out. Because when I become the source, then I also have to become the resource. And I have to be, but when I partner with the Lord, and and this is a good picture of every area of your life, that, that you would allow God to become the source and that everything in your life, from the way you parent to the way you work your job, that, that, that being poor in spirit is not about being poor. It's not about having a little bit of money or about living in lack. It's about you coming to the end of yourself and to the beginning of him. Like, that's why when we talk about dying to yourself, it's not like this morbid thing where we're like, oh, it's, it's not that. It's that you would come to the end of you trying to control your life, and you would give it to him. And when you give it to him, here's what you find. He wants you to dream. He wants you to explore. He loves your personality. So you give him your life and you're like, I can't do it. And then he he begins to mold you and shape you and then he gives it back. And you you go out and you take risks. And you you go on mission trips and you do things. And then at a certain point, you're going to feel this tension where he's like, can you give me that back? (laughs) Because it's not exactly yet what I wanted it to be. But this is the journey of co-laboring with the Lord. Of allowing him to walk with you. This, I'm taking a class right now in college. I'm almost done. Yes, say yes. Took me 10 years to get a four-year degree. 
There was a lot of school in there. I'm kidding. But I'm almost done. And I'm taking this class called Pentateuch, and it's studying the first five books of the Bible. And I had to write a paper on the book of Genesis. And the book of Genesis is so amazing because to me it shows, it shows a picture of God that we don't really get to see in the rest of the Bible where God is creator, where God is creative, and his very words, they create life. And so listen, we believe this whole book. From Genesis to Revelation, we believe all of it. Like when it said God spoke things into existence, we believe, I believe God is still speaking things into existence today. There are areas of my life where I need lack, and the moment I become reliant on him, he speaks words of life. And that word carries life, and it carries the seed for the miracle that you may need today. you got to know that. And so I'm beginning to study about how God creates and how he speaks the, the stars and the moons and the animals and the seas, and he divides. And you see this image of this huge God who's creating this space. And it's this, it's this humongous, like, story, picture-like thing. And then you're like, okay, well, what's the point? And then, you, and then you get towards the end of the story, and he creates man. And I love this because God would, he would speak everything into existence. But, but, but when it came to creating you and when he came to creating me, it was personal. It wasn't just this let it be, but he reached out into the earth, and with his hands, he formed us. And to me, this speaks of this personal relationship that he, this, this very, very intentional relationship that he wants to have with us. That from the very beginning, he would speak the earth into existence, and then he would begin to form and create all so that he could commune. All so that he can be with you. Also that he can have this relationship where, here's the truth, God is not going to make you choose him. Like the beauty of free will is that you are free to choose. And it's one of the most scary things, but it's one of the most beautiful things because there is power in choice. I say this all the time. People look at our generation, particularly the younger ones, and they're like, well, they're never going to make it because there's so many options and there's so many distractions. But... But the, but the good thing about options is if you can learn to narrow your focus, in the midst of options, if you can learn to say, to fully say yes to something, that yes becomes all the more powerful. When I have two options, there's not a lot of, you know, I could choose this or I could choose that. But when you have hundreds of options and you say, I choose this, and I fully devote my life, that's why we don't change the subject about Jesus and fixing our eyes. That's why we take a long time in worship and we take our time because we're not worshiping you. Our worship is not unto you. So sometimes people are like, well, man, worship today, I just wasn't feeling it. I'm like, okay, well, it was for him. <laughs> it's okay, but we weren't worshiping you today, so I'm sorry. My, my, main, my main focus would be that it would not make him glad. That there would be something about our bringing our offering unto him. Does that make sense? And so part of what I feel, and my wife said it when she got off of stage, I feel that the enemy has been doing a really good job at beating people down. And to creating a wedge between who you are and who God created you to be. And this is the biggest tension in life. How many of you have felt that tension? Like you have a dream for your life. You feel like God has called you to something, but you have no idea how the world you're going to get there. None of you. Wow, it's just me. <laughs> Let's go home. I'll just, I'll work, me and the Lord will work this out now. I found this in my, and particularly when you're a dreamer, like we're dreamers. I have people that, I'm, that are around me that are very analytical. That's not me. I'm like, we're going to take over the world. And they're like, what's the budget? You know, like, 
we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Like, how are you going to do that, man? You got like $3, you know? I don't know, God said. And this is amazing. And this is what God wants from us, that we would be these passionate believers for the impossible. But part of the, part of the tension there is there is a huge chasm between where you are now and where God is taking you. And learning to maneuver this and learning to walk with the Lord in grace is humongous. Because here's the truth. When I came into my life with Jesus, this is what I felt. It may not have ever been said, but here's what I felt. 2008, I'm getting Bill Nye Science guy on you today. 2008, I gave my life to Jesus. Something like that, yeah. Bad. When I gave my life to Jesus, I pictured my life doing this. Rock bottom. Drug addiction, angry, all kinds of messes going on, addictions to you name it. I'm like, I gave my life to him, and now my life must look like this. Like, I will never, I will never struggle. Nobody said this. Not, they wouldn't say it to my face. But here's the truth. In the moments I would struggle, people would say things to me like, well, why would you do that? And they would put this pressure on me where I would feel like if I wasn't performing according to their expectation, that I was failing God. And so what I found in my life is I would begin to walk with the Lord and I would hit these moments where I'm climbing a mountain, amazing experience, and then there would be this dip. And I couldn't understand, like, this moment of tension, frustration. God, who am I? And God would leave me in that season and then I, I would climb again. Does this make sense? And then I would hit this moment where I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to grow, trying to maneuver. And then God would call me the same way he did Abraham, where Abraham was in this good place and he called him. And this continual flow as I was growing with the Lord, and I began to ask the Lord, God, I need to know that I'm okay because I feel like I'm on this roller coaster. Has anybody felt this? I'm on a roller coaster. You seen the meme about the kid, like the kid on the roller coaster? No, yeah. It's, 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 it's really funny. Thank you. Affirmation, I needed it. But this life is a roller coaster, and what I have found is very, very often I feel super unqualified for the journey God is taking me on. So what does this mean? He's teaching me, and he's helping me to grow into the person he sees. And this is the huge thing, that you would begin to see yourself the way God sees you, that you would begin to reimagine who you are, and that you would take off the scales and the limitations and the things. I felt them today during worship. And I knew it's because we were talking about this. Because the enemy would want to keep you under the label of depression, under the label of anxiety, under the label of this, under the label of that, of failure, bad parent, bad father, you name it. He would want to keep you under that. And then God, would, you would come into a service like this, and we would begin to speak about things of faith and ask you to make room. And you would say, I can't do this because I am this. And so you would begin to exclude yourself from everything God has. And I would say to you, I want to encourage you today, you're not the first one. I would want to encourage you today that the Lord, he is glad with you. And that he has a plan for you and he, and he, and he sees you differently than you see yourself. And so I want to live in, in this book for a second, Judges 6. And I want to talk about the, the story of Gideon. You could turn there if you'd like. The story of Gideon is an interesting story because the people of Israel, which were God's people at the time, they had committed a mistake. Like, the situation that they found themselves in was a situation they put themselves in. And so here they are, they're being, they're being attacked by the Midianites, different, different people from the region. 
and they were, they were running. Like they were scared. They were afraid. And so here you find uh, in the very beginning of chapter 6, it says, Israel did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet. So here the prophet of the Lord says, this is what the Lord said. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians, from all who have oppressed. I drove out your enemies and gave you land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship gods of the Amorites whose land you live in, but you have not listened. And so he's saying, this is why you got yourself in the situation you're in now. Because I freed you, yet you chose to go back to the thing that got you into slavery in the first place. And enter, enter the story of Gideon. Verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat behind the tree of Oprah. No, I'm kidding, it's Oprah. Making sure you're awake. Oprah wasn't there yet. Under the tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Ebenezer, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So here's the picture. From the very beginning, Gideon was doing something that was not uncommon, but he was doing it in an uncommon place. Like these guys had been so, so persecuted and so chased after and so many bad things had happened that he finds himself in a cellar pressing wheat. And so I just want to say, like, this isn't the picture of a great mighty hero, okay? I just want to say from the beginning, he's in a place, and then the angel of the Lord appears to him, and here's what it says. The first thing the angel says is, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And I have found in my life that there have been times when I have been with the Lord, and he's about to take me on a journey well, the Lord will speak something to me or he'll call me by name. And it is a name I often feel undeserving from. Like I remember when we were in ministry school, um, there was a time where we did a devotion very early on when I was a Christian. And they passed a mirror around the room and they asked everybody to look into the mirror, right? They, they said, look into the mirror. And when you look into the mirror, what do you see? It was this devotion. It was like off Michael Jackson, man in the mirror. He used a song. I, it stuck with me, though. Because I remember when, when I, I was looking in the mirror that at that moment in my life, I had seen a person, 2008, who had hurt a lot of people. I felt like I was a liar, a betrayer, a drug addict, a backstabber. And so when I looked, when I looked in the mirror, this is what I saw. And I can imagine in this moment in Gideon's life, as he's threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press and God goes, mighty hero, he's like, I think you missed that I'm hiding. <laughs> like, I think you missed that I'm doing everything opposite. And yet this is the Lord, right? That he would come and he would speak to you and he would speak truth to you. Even though in that moment the fact might have been that he was cowarding in a, in a, in a cellar at the bottom, that God would speak truth to him that would make something in him come alive. And it's what the Lord wants to do. In the middle of your dysfunction, maybe even if you got yourself there the way they did, that they had turned their affection, this was the big sin that had happened. The evil that had occurred was they had taken their attention from God onto idols. Now what does that look like today? It looks like all kinds of things. It looks like us taking our attention off of God onto money, off of God unto work, off of God unto worry, off of God unto unbelief, and that we would turn our attention off of him and unto anything else. And those become idols that we become attached to without even realizing it. 
I have seen so many people rounding mountains, even in churches, man. And they struggle, like, they struggle and they struggle and they struggle. And it's not, it's not an issue of sin. It's an issue of what are you giving your attention to? My wife said during worship, what you behold, you become. What you fix your eyes upon becomes the very thing you see. So in the eyes of Gideon, when God said mighty hero, you have to see. Let's see here. Mighty hero. Sir. Verse 13, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened? He immediately goes to his dysfunction. If God is with me, then why do I find myself in this present situation? And I feel like there are many of you in this room that you may be feeling that same thing. Like, God, I have, I've been following you, and God is saying, I am with you, I am for you, not against you. And you say, if you are with me, then why has all this happened to me? He goes on to say, if God is with us, where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and he's handed us over to the Midianites. He feels abandoned. And if I ask you in this room right now, how many of you ever felt abandoned by God? Nobody's hand would go up. Boo, thank you, bro. Come here, bro. Come here. I'll give you one of these. Sorry about the camera. Because here's the truth. We live in a world that is afraid to be honest. But if you were to be honest and if you have walked any amount of time with the Lord, you know that there are moments in your walk with him, even when you have said yes and when you're doing everything right, where you feel super insecure and you can't hear his voice. And here's what I know. There are times in my life where the Lord has allowed me to, to feel insecure to expose false securities. Like things in my life that nobody else sees, but because he's a master physician and he cares about my heart, he'll go into the places and he'll say, what about that? <laughs> Why are you leaning on that? Why are you trusting that? And in the life of Gideon, he finds himself in this place where he's like, if you were really God, why do I feel marginalized? Why do I feel alone? And here's what I love about the way the Lord, I love two things. Then the Lord turned to him. The Lord acknowledged him. Because it's okay to be honest with God. Are you alive? Yeah. This will free you. Because so many of you are frustrated with the Lord because you're looking at your life like this. And because we think this is what success looks like. And here's what I've learned. There are in times in life, there are mountaintops and there are valley lows. And we said last week, I don't know if I said it or not, but I know I said it in Mexico. Listen, there are times in life where we're on mountaintops and those are great moments. They're inspirational moments. But fruit grows in valleys. And according to the Bible, what God wants from you and from me is that we would produce fruit that is lasting. Fruit that goes on. Not fruit that, that, that is off of other people, but fruit that is lasting. And so... A lot of people in the Christian life, they would, they would, they would gauge success like this. They would say, well, how, how I manage this is success. That's not success. Like the easiest part of my Christian life was when I first gave my life to Jesus. I let go of addiction, but I had found him. I had everything. And so for a long time, I would say, well, look, look at my climb, look at my climb. But as I've grown with the Lord, I have learned that the way I measure success is not from mountain to mountain. It's from valley to valley.
the way I measure success in my life is how do I manage the situations that make me uncomfortable? I'm not talking about you falling into sin because you're dead to that. This was such a trap for me because the more I said that I was a sinner saved by grace, I believed that I was just still a sinner. And I had to come to the realization that I am now a son and I was a sinner. <laughs> and I'm now living in grace. It's two very different things. And so my job now in life, and, and it should be yours, is how do I measure I would measure my valley moment to my valley moment. How well am I trusting God? How well, how well am I walking and I, am I going to places where, where he's wanting to take me? Like, am I trusting him quicker? Am, am I open-handed? Am I allowing him to take things out of my life? And here's what I know. God will do all kinds of things to, to bring you to this place. He'll bring people. <laughs> He'll bring people to your life, and they'll press buttons that you didn't even think was there anymore. And you'll say, like, four-letter words that is not Lord. You know, like, there are things that happen, and you explode, and you're like, oh, my God, I, I have failed God. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to squeeze something out of you. And he's trying to give you an opportunity to respond in a different way. And so you find yourself frustrated, and you feel marginalized. And I would just say to you, so many times we ask God, God, why? Why is not the right question? The right question is what? I don't need to understand the situation. I just need to have a revelation of what he's doing. I need him to show me in this moment, God, what are you trying to do? And this is what he was trying to do in the life of Gideon. He was trying to give Gideon a revelation of who Gideon was. And so he speaks to Gideon and Gideon, Gideon, the Lord turns his attention and he tells him this, go with the strength you have, which according to Gideon was not a lot. <laughs> but there was something inside of him that he could not see in himself. I'm trying to preach to you today. That there is something inside of you that you yet do not see. The reason God keeps putting you in these situations is because there's something inside of you he's trying to unlock. He's trying to take you to a new level of faith. He's trying to take you to a new level of destiny. And if you would allow him, well, you say, well, what do I have to do? Go with the strength you have. Do I need another impartation? Maybe I need to feel a little better. No. Go afraid. Like, just trust him enough. And so Gideon responds, how can I rescue Israel? I, my clan is the weakest. And in my, out of all my family, I am the least. This guy's having an identity crisis. <laughs> He's having issues. Yet I love this is the person that God chose because it gives me hope. That God's not just looking for qualified people. He chooses people that sometimes don't feel qualified. And sometimes we would look at people like I know, I heard Will Hart say this one time and it just spoke to me so deeply because it's the same. He said, I hate that people would look at me and say, well, God just wants to use Will Hart. But that's Will Hart and I feel the same I feel like that there can be no, there can be no disconnect. That, that when you see Geo or you see Destiny, that you would realize that we're just really normal people that are trying to figure out how to love Jesus to the best of our ability. That any fruit that would come out of our lives on a mission trip or any conversation, that they would come from a place of just trying to love him and trying to come to the end of myself and to the beginning of him every day. Not just this one moment and this one moment. 
And so God speaks to Gideon, go with the strength you have. And Gideon in his identity crisis asks the Lord for a sign. The Lord gives him a sign. And here's the interesting part, man. God confirms to him he wants him to do it. He creates an offering. And then in, in, in the, later on in the chapter, verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with his power. Another translation says that the Lord put on Gideon like a glove. So Gideon was overcome with the Lord, and his very next response, it's so human, I love it. His very next response is like, God, are you sure? <laughs> and some of you, like, we would read that, we go, gosh, what a fool. But it encourages me that even a man that would be clothed by God would say, I just need one more sign. Like, make the fleece wet, make it not wet. And he goes through this, go, he goes through all of the situation. And finally, he gains up enough courage. And when he does, he gets a good outcome. He goes, okay, Lord, I'll go. Use me to deliver the people. Even though I'm the least of the least, use me. And as he goes, when he shows up, according to the scriptures, 32,000 people show up. That's a good show out. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to go, 32,000 people is good. So you got to imagine, Gideon shows up. He's like, all right, everybody showed up. God is good. This must be the Lord because we like to gauge success by numbers. God is good. And God whispers, hey, bro, you got too many people. <laughs> this is so God. Like, hey, man, you got, too, you got too many people? Like, no, 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 I think you missed it. We're going to war. We probably need a few thousand more. No, 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 it's not going to work for me. Tell everybody who's afraid to go home. I think you missed it, God. We're going to war. Everybody's afraid. Nobody's excited about this. We've been marginalized. We've been defeated. Like, no, 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 tell them to go home. And, and in a moment, they went from, <laughs> this is great, they went from 32,000 people to 10,000. If I'm getting, I'm going right back to, okay, let's pull out the fleece. <laughs> and, and this is the way God works in our lives. You may not be fighting this humongous battle against Midianites, but every one of us, we have this internal thing we're going through where we're trying to figure it out. And, like, because we're human, we'll make plans like, okay, God, you said beat this. I'm going to make a pros and cons list. And after I make my, that doesn't even spell con here. Let me help you. I, I do school on computer. It's okay. I don't know how to write anymore. And we would say, this is how I do it, and this is how I do it. And the Lord would go, okay, let's erase that. Let me tell you, this is the way I want to do it. And you're like, that makes absolutely no sense. Like, logically, that makes no sense. But this is the faith journey. And there are things, perfect example of this is the story of Lazarus. Story of Lazarus, people come up to Jesus and they go, hey, Lazarus is dying. And the Lord goes, okay, I'm glad. Some translations say the Lord says he's glad. And it will be unto the glory of the Lord. Now, if I'm going to Jesus with my problem, yo, 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 I got to pay rent. Um, I need your help. I'm glad. It's going to be for my glory. You're like, what? No. My, my, my person wants me to pay rent. No, no, no. It's going to all work out. And so Jesus goes off on his little journey for a few days, and then Lazarus dies. And the Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved him. And it's this super vulnerable moment where it would seem like the Lord doesn't care, like he's being irresponsible. And so he shows up to, to Bethany, and the first, thing he, the first person he sees when he shows up is Martha. 
And Martha goes into this dialogue like, God, if you would have been here, she gives him all of the right answers. If you would have been here, then, then she would have never died. And Jesus is like, well, if you believe in me, no one will die. And she's like, you're talking, you know, she's saying all of the right things, but they're all of the wrong things. And you know they're all of the wrong things because Jesus sends Martha to go find Mary. And you see two different responses. Martha comes and she tells Jesus everything that she thought how it should have gone. And it was all of the right things. Yes, he was, he was this and he was, should have done that. But Mary comes and the first thing Mary does when she sees Jesus in the middle of her pain and her misunderstanding and not knowing why, she falls at his feet. This was the same woman that would bring an offering unto God and she would worship. And Jesus would say, this is the only thing that matters. And I feel like every situation we have in life, we have the opportunity for these responses. We can give our God our do's, our list of do's and don'ts and why you should have done and why you shouldn't have done. But what God is looking is for somebody in the middle of their response that would drop down and say, even though I don't understand, you're worthy. And here's the truth. These people up to this point, they had only known God as healer. They had seen God heal the sick. They had seen him raised. They had seen him multiply food. But in this situation, God was using this moment of pain. He was using this valley in their life for them to have a revelation that he was not only healer, but he was resurrection. And here's what I would say to you today. There are moments in your life that we would want to push away and we would rebuke. And I'm not saying there's not a time to rebuke, but what I'm saying is sometimes I feel we're missing a revelation of who God is because we're pushing away a situation. And you can say all of the right things and you could rebuke things all of the right way, but the truth is God is trying to show you. And so we would quote scriptures like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And you forget that for David to have that revelation, he had to walk through a couple of valleys. For I know that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Well, that only comes from having a lot of weapons coming at you. And so I would say to you today, and I hope this encourages you, the story of Gideon, 10,000 go, 12,000 leave, he's left with 10,000, and God's like, still you have too many. I want you to go take them to drink water, and whoever cups the water and drinks it can stay, and he ends up being with 300. But when you finish the story, you see that God used his act of obedience to do the impossible, and that's all he's looking for. That you would go with the strength that you have and that you would trust him through every step of the process. And that you would believe that you plus your little bit plus obedience is enough. Like it truly is enough for you to walk in a life of victory. And so you have to move past you seeing yourself as the weakest of the weakest of the weakest. But you have to allow God to take you on a journey. So that you can have a revelation of who he really is. Is this good? Evie, can, you, can you briefly share that story? I'm going to have her share a story that's, that, that's just beautiful. About, about the way God showed her, um, showed her who she was. And this is Aunt V. She's amazing. Yeah.
say, son, uh, born and raised with your God, God is amazing. Testing. Um, and so I had a vision or an idea of how we were supposed to be and worship God. Um, I then uh, decided that this wasn't enough, something more out there. And so I decided to make space. And I started journaling. Now, I have to tell you, at first, I didn't think I could hear from God, and this is Theo in the back. I said to him, I said, how do you know that when you're journaling and writing what God says to you, how do you know that it's him because you have the faith that God can speak to him? And that really struck me. So I started my journaling journey after some very, very hard times, self-made basically. And for the first six months, God would say to me, daughter. You're the daughter of a king. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I finally said, Lord, do you have anything else you'd like to say to me? And he said, yes. He said, I want you to take the lies of the enemy and I want you to write them down. And so everything the enemy had thrown at me over and over again, I wrote them down and took a few minutes. He said, now I want you to fold it up and burn it. So I folded it and I started to burn it. And it burnt beautifully. Wow. But it stopped. Not that much of it left. Theo, will you help me? It stopped burning and nothing I could do to get it to continue to burn. And finally he said, that's the opening. So what he took, the lies of the enemy, and that was what was left. So whenever the enemy comes against me, I pull out my crown, and I said, oh, no, no, no. And sometimes when I come against I pull out that crown and remind myself who I am. Come on, friends. I just love that God would use all of her dysfunction and give her a life message with it. She carries that with her everywhere she goes. I'm like, you got the crown? She's like, you know it. everywhere she goes but it's such a reminder that like in every season of her life she is a daughter of the king like i don't i don't be i don't un, like not become a daughter in the valley like through every season i track with him i i am a son of the king and i feel for you today he wants to restore that and this restoration i remember the day amv she talked to me about about journaling she's like how do you, I, I, we journal and she's like well I just feel like I'm just writing like why am I just writing and I was and I was like you know what man like here's what I, this is the place I've got if God's not big enough to move my pen then he's just not really a big God at all like I have to trust enough to, to believe like when I'm writing or if I'm typing something that he's big enough to control my thoughts if I've yielded myself to him so actually here's what I want to do today I want you to, open, if you have a pen or paper, you can pull it out or you can pull out your phone. And I just want to make space this morning for you to write down and identify three, three lies you've believed about yourself. Man, how powerful would it be if the Lord would speak to you today the same way? I know he will. He spoke to, to MV about 
about her lies. The first step in overcoming this problem is, is that you would acknowledge the problem. Like, I'm not sure that Gideon ever thought of himself as the weakest person of the weakest clan until it just came out of his mouth. And then the Lord was able to speak that. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to make space for a moment for you to just sit and to write down, and then we're going to pray over that today. So, Father, right now, I just ask and I silence every voice of the enemy. And I ask that you would show us, God. Show us areas in our life where maybe we see ourselves the way that you don't see us, God. And help us, God, to see ourselves, God, the way that you see us. Yeah, God. Yeah, matter of fact, I just feel, you know, I want you to write down three things that, that you feel that, that, that the enemies lied to you. And then I want, to write, I want you to write three truths next to that. So we're just going to take a few moments and then we're going to pray over that. Would you stand this morning as we end in prayer? I want to give you homework this week if you have it on your homework. I did, I did whiteboard and homework this week. I want to just, if you have it on your phone or on a piece of paper, I just want you to take this with you this week. And maybe if you could dedicate five minutes, just set a timer, like just five minutes and look at this and I want you to pray over it. Not just who you think you are, but who you feel God is saying you are. And maybe you only have one side. Maybe you only have like the lies you believe. This would be a good week for you to ask God. I want you to speak truth to me about this. I want, I'm asking, the Bible says this, what delight comes to those when you wait upon the Lord? What happens? It says, you will find what you have longed for. The Passion Translation is so good. What delight comes on those who wait on him, for they will find what they've longed for. And some of you have been living from this place, and God's going to give you a new place to live from. So why don't you put your hand on your phone or that paper, whatever it is. 
And we're going to pray in faith and believe that God's going to break the old and he's going to bring the new. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak against every lie. Every lie of feeling like a failure, a bad parent, an alcoholic. Man, all these different things and labels that God would put on, that the, that the enemy would put on people. God, I ask that you would break those right now in Jesus' name. And not only that you would break the old, but that you would bring in the new. That we would make space not just for mountain highs, but God also for valley lows. Where you can work and show us and produce fruit in us, God. Because as long as you go, we go. So God, right now I speak fresh encouragement over your people. I speak against a lie that life is too busy and I don't know how I'm going to make it, God. We make room for you. We make room for you, God. And right now I speak hope and I speak against hopelessness and I speak over you that weight that's on your shoulders that it would be gone right now in Jesus' name. As you leave today, that you would leave without that weight and that you would feel light. God, I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you that you're replacing old with new. I just hear that. As we make space, you're replacing old with new. So God, this week, remind us of, of the things that you're speaking to us, that you're breaking off the old mindsets and the old ways of seeing ourselves as the least in all of these things, that you're showing us a new way of seeing. Father, I bless every single person here, and I thank you for what they carry and for what you're doing in their lives. And I ask that you go with them as we gather until next week. In the mighty name of Jesus.